We give glory and honor to God for granting us this opportunity to share with you. This is Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Welcome, dear listener, to this promising session of the New Life Program. I'm your presenter, Samuel Mangi. Maureen Komboko is on standby with the Family Life segment. Today, she will talk about sex education in the home. Sister Becky Runga will now join us during the Bible segment to talk about true fasting. Naivasha Central Choir will start us off with the song, Ujao Wake. Oh, oh, oh. 
Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Let us now give way to Maureen Komboka to talk about sex education in the home. Be blessed. Dear listener, welcome to today's Family Life program. Our title today is Sexuality, and we are going to major on the topic, Sex Education in the Home. When it was announced that this program will be about sex education, what was your response? Maybe you thought sexuality again? Isn't there enough about that on tele and radio now? You're right, there's enough too much. But unfortunately, it is usually not the kind of information we want our children to have. You see, it is so important that good people should teach about sexuality in a good way. First impressions are important. They are the most influential and the most lasting. As parents, you are the good people and you have the privilege and the responsibility of doing the telling. Can you imagine a parent looking at a newborn and saying something like this? I am going to put roadblocks in the way of your learning about sexuality in a good way. I want to assure a poor understanding about sexual things. This will help to spoil your sexual adjustments and relationship as you grow older. I am going to confuse you by my attitudes and by my words and by my silences. I hope I don't have to talk about sex at all, but if you should get inquisitive, I'll be so vague and in such a hurry that you'll see how uncomfortable I am. Eventually, you leave me alone. That doesn't sound like a good parent, does it? But many parents actually give this message without realizing it. They would be shocked if they were told that they are writing a bad script for their children. But that is what many parents actually do. They don't mean to be negligent. They do not even realize that they are leaving a big gap in their children's life education. One of the first things to recognize is that only a small part of sex education is verbal and intended. In not speaking about it, you are also giving a message. You are planting the idea that sexuality is not important enough to bother with, or even worse, that it is unpleasant to talk about. But both of these messages are wrong. In one interesting study, it was reported that 72% of the mothers and 63% of the fathers said they were the major source of sex information for their children. But in talking to these children, it was discovered that only 7% of the boys and 23 of the girls agreed that parents were their main source of information about sexuality. Obviously, others were earlier and more effective. Clearly, something needs to be done about bringing parents and children together. By the way, you may be interested to know who these children listed as their main sources. Their friends, who are not good sources, the media, also a very poor source of moral messages. Older brothers and sisters, 
and I just picked it up. That is probably the worst source of all. Many parents list embarrassment as the main reason they aren't forthright and eager communicators. Other parents say they simply don't know how, since it is true that few of our parents told us. We don't have anything to serve us as an example. Well, some will say, no one told me and I found out. True. But do you want your children to find out the way you did? Few parents want their children to have the same start on sexual knowledge that they did. Some well-meaning parents believe that the earlier we tell our children, the sooner they'll want to experiment. But all of our studies tell us that just the opposite is true. Parents who have a continuing dialogue with their children, which includes open and honest discussion of their questions, rare children who postpone their involvement in sexual behaviors. Isn't that good news? Then we could say that it is not information that causes children to get into inappropriate sexual activities. It is lack of information. It is so important to start our children's education in infancy and to build on this good foundation as the child grows older. Good and effective sex education is not a one-time exposure like an inclusion, although I have talked to many parents wish it were. But think of all the good opportunities we will miss for bonding with our children as we discuss this sensitive topic. At this point, I want to mention two very important qualities which are important for our children to develop. On the surface, it may not seem as though they have much to do with education for sexuality, but they are crucial. One is helping our children to have feelings of self-esteem. The other is learning how to make good decisions. Let's look at this for a moment. First, the good feelings about self. If I feel that everyone around me is smarter and better looking than I am, I'm more likely to follow their lead and seek to get their approval. I'll want to do the things that they are doing, to have the courage to disagree and stand up for my ideas of what is right will be almost impossible. It takes a strong sense of one's worth to be willing to go against the group, whether at play or in school. Addest of all, a teen coping with an insistent, attractive person of the opposite sex. How do we build self-esteem in our children? By surrounding them from the very beginning with a constant feeling of, you're special, you're wonderful, we love you. This accompanied by physical demonstrations of love-hugging, patting and embracing. This gives the message, you're valued. We were created to need this type of validation. God's word to us, the Bible, is full of expressions of God's love for us. It doesn't just say it once and expects us to remember. It repeats it over and over and also demonstrates it by the gifts of his love in so many areas of our lives. One prominent pediatrician, Dr. Berry, has said that every child has the right to feel that his parents are crazy about him or her, simply heads and heels in love with him or her. Now it's true that most parents really are, but too many parents don't express it often. We'll stop at that today, but catch me next time, where we're going to continue with the same topic. I'll give you the second quality, which is important for children's development. Thank you for listening. I've been your presenter, Maureen Komboka.
We appreciate those who have given us their thoughts concerning this program. We are here just for you. For those who have never communicated to us, you can start today by writing to the producer, Adventist All Radio, PO Box 42276, code 00100, Nairobi, Kenya. Our email address is awinairobi at by New Life Youth Choir.
they've been looking forward to the Bible segment. Join me as I welcome Sister Becky Arunga. How beautiful it is to be in God's presence, to know what God has in store for us, and to teach us that which he desires us to do. I want us to think and understand what God has prepared for us. We may not be able to comprehend it in its entirety, but surely God has been faithful to all of us, and we are able to know that as long as we live, we hope and have this hope that burns in our heart, a hope in the coming of the Lord. I am Becky Arunga. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, it is a privilege to be in your presence and to know your word of truth. Now, dear Lord, we pray that as we seek to understand what you have in store for us, you give us an understanding heart and send your spirit to be our teacher, that all we do may be acceptable before your sight. Now, Heavenly Father, may your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, beloved of God, oftentimes we learn about prayer and sometimes we add to it fasting. And God teaches us on how we should approach him, worshiping him in truth and in spirit. But even so, the Lord has a reminder to each one of us as to what we need to do when we seek his face in prayer and fasting. I don't know whether you have experienced it, but sometimes you take time to pray and fast only to realize that you are hungry at the end of the day and you do not feel like you have honestly sought the face of God. But this day the Lord has seen it fit that he may teach us about the object of true fasting, of a fast that pleases God, of how we can deny ourselves the things of this world, that we may seek the face of the Lord earnestly, and that he may hearken to the voice of our pleading. Now, to anyone who has something that they need the Lord to undertake in their lives, sometimes it is important that we not only pray, but also fast. But how be it that after fasting we sometimes feel like our prayer has not been answered or that our fast has made, up, made us more fatigued than closer to God. The book of Isaiah gives us an account of what God desires that we may do even in seeking him in truth and in spirit. Isaiah chapter 58 verse 1. It comes out with a sound of warning. It comes forth and begins by telling us there is something that we are doing amiss. Like if you are praying amiss or fasting amiss, and God is trying to bring us to a point, an elevated standard, where we can honestly seek him in prayer and fasting, and at the end of it, enjoy the fruit and the benefit of being in God's presence. Isaiah 58 verse 1 says, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression, and their house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily, and delight to know my ways, as a nation that did righteousness, and did not forsake the ordinances of their God. 
They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God. Beloved, as the end of verse 2, we see a people who have the desire to seek God. We see people who desire and delight to know the ways of God. The people who do righteousness or appear to do the same. The people who honestly seek the face of God. And so they ask the Lord, we have been this faithful. We have been this righteous to you. But how be it that when we fast, you don't see it. It is a genuine concern of someone who honestly is seeking God, but is wondering how come his prayer or her prayer is not being answered. And verse 3 says, Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? In fact, this is what now the Lord says. The Lord is saying people are asking, why have we fasted and you haven't seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take not notice? In essence, it's like, Lord, we have cried unto you, but you don't seem to understand. But this is what the Lord has against us. This is the charge he is bringing to tell us the reason as to why that which we seem to do or think we are doing is abominable before his sight. He proceeds to say, In fact, in the day of your fast you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers. I mean, whereas you may be thinking that in fasting we are doing the right thing, perhaps it is time to look and amend our ways. Consider what we have been doing. The Lord is saying, In the day of your fast you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers. Now how be it that when you are denying yourself, the Lord is saying you find pleasure and exploit your laborers. Let's see further what he says. Indeed you fast for strife and debate and to strike with the feast of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. In essence, God is saying maybe we are just fasting to be seen. We are just fasting to compare ourselves. Remember the Pharisee and the tax collector? The Pharisee was praying and saying, God, thank you for I am not that tax collector. I pay tithe, I fast twice per week. And he went on and on to state his good deeds. Maybe, maybe, beloved, it is the motive of our fast that is making it an abomination before God. Verse 5 says, Is it a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? God is trying to say it is not about the form that you take as you're fasting. It is not about the things that you seek to do, to afflict your soul, to appear like you're degraded, to just be sad. Jesus actually taught his disciples and said, On the day that you're fasting, apply ointment on your head and be merry, that people may see and praise the Lord that you serve. Now verse 6 gives us an ideal fast. After God has laid his charge against his people, he says, Is this not the fast that I have chosen to lose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked that you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh. 
God is bringing unto us an ideal first. That it is not about denying yourself food because you have no money. But when you deny yourself food, give it to someone else. When you deny yourself, minister unto the needs of other people. Be, do the good work of an evangelist. Like the good Samaritan, Jesus bade the people and said, go and do likewise. And we remember the story in Matthew 25. Jesus says, in the last days they shall separate the goats from the sheep. And Christ will say, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in prison and you visited me. And the saints shall ask, Lord, when did we see you naked and clothed thee? When did we see you thirsty and give thee drink? And Christ shall say, Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever you did unto the least of my brethren, you did it unto me. Beloved, it is a high time we woke up from our spiritual slumber and complacency and did the righteous acts of mercy and gone a step further to minister to the needs of they that are around us. Now, what is the effect of fasting as God requires? Verse 8, then your light shall break forth like the morning, your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you, the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Some of us have fasted to be healed, for our friends to get well. Now God is saying, your healing shall spring forth speedily. Your healing shall spring forth speedily, if you fast as he desires. Beloved, I don't know what you want, but God is saying, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fall. I don't know whether it is your desire to experience the blessing and the joy of the Lord. It is by true fasting. It is by truly seeking him as he has given us and taught us in his word. I bid you to study Isaiah 58 in your own free time and look through those statements one after the other and see how it is that you can be of significance, great significance in the house of God. The Lord desires that we all receive such blessings. I pray that you, you and I may experience such a blessing in our lives. Let us pray. God, you are always there for us. You have reminded us and taught us of what it means to truly fast and seek your face. It is a difficult thing for us to attain on our own. But I pray for your divine presence and your peace that surpasses human understanding to be with us and attend to us even as we seek your face in prayer and fasting. Now guide us, blessed Redeemer, in Jesus' name. Amen. I am most grateful you found time to be with us. May the Lord bless you and teach you what it means to have a true fast. Till next time, be blessed. has been nice having a company. In case you have any views, comments, or questions about this show, write to the producer 
Adventist World Radio PO Box 42276 code 00100 Nairobi Kenya. Our email address is awr nairobi at ek.adventist.org. Until next time, I've been a presenter Samuel Mangi. Remember, stay safe, stay blessed. Shukabana